There are four New Testament books that tell the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the Gospels. And each of them devote at least a quarter of their pages to just the last five days of Jesus' life. Jesus' story is the greatest story ever told. And, and this last week is the climax of Jesus' mission, of Him fulfilling what God had sent Him to accomplish. And we're going to have an opportunity to enter into that story today. And we're going to do that in a special and a unique way through the dramatic reading of Scripture, through music and, and singing, and through sharing communion together. The words that you're going to hear are straight from the Bible. It's Matthew's account of Jesus' final days. This is a rather dark part of the story. There's betrayal, denial, and of course, death. But this isn't a story that is just about something that happened 2,000 years ago. This is a story through which God continues to speak. All of us have an opportunity to find ourselves in the story. So whether you've heard it 50 times or whether this is the first time you've heard it, all of us are invited to hear it in a fresh way today. We have the opportunity to let God speak through the story of Jesus' journey to the cross. So right now, you can settle in and prepare yourself to hear the story. Uh, prepare yourself to enter into a journey with Jesus as he makes his way to the cross. And we will go with him even to the point of death. At that, one of the twelve, Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. What will you give me to turn him over to you? They offered him thirty pieces of silver, and from that moment he began to watch for a chance to betray Jesus. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples said to Jesus, Where would you like us to prepare the Passover meal for you? Go into the city, find a certain man, and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near, and I am going to celebrate Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples went off, followed Jesus' instructions, and got the Passover meal ready. When evening came, Jesus sat down with the twelve. They ate their dinner. While they were eating, he said, I tell you this, one of you here will betray me. The disciples, of course, were horrified and said, Not me. Is it I, Lord? Is it, is I? it I? It's not me, Master, is it? The one who shared this dish of food with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as our sacred scripture has taught, but there will be nothing but misery for he who hands him over. That man will wish he had never been born. At that, Judas, who was indeed planning to betray him, said, It's not me, Master, is it? I believe you've just answered your own question. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take this and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Take this and drink, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until the day when I drink it with it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus told them, Scripture says, I shall strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will scatter. Just so each of you will fall away and become deserters on account of me. But afterward I will be raised up, and I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if they all fall away because of you, I will never desert you. If only that were true. In fact, this very night, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. No, I won't deny you, even if that means I have to die with you. And each of the disciples said the same. At that, Jesus led his disciples to the place called Gethsemane and said to them, I'm going over there to pray. You sit here while I'm at prayer. Then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him. And he grew sorrowful and deeply distressed. My soul is overwhelmed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He walked a little farther and finally threw himself to the ground and prayed. Father, is there any other way? Please take this bitter cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Won't you take this cup from me? Because fear has stolen all my sleep. And if tomorrow means my death, I pray you'll save their souls within. When he came back to the disciples, he saw that they were asleep. And he said to Peter, So you couldn't keep watch with me for just one short hour? Watch and pray so that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. With that, Jesus returned for the second time to pray again. Father, if there is no other way for this cup to pass without my drinking it, then not my will, but yours be done. In this hour of doubt I see Who I am is not just me So give me strength to die myself So love can live to tell the tale Again, Jesus returned to his disciples and found them asleep. They just couldn't keep their eyes open. So Jesus left them again for the third time and returned to prayer. 
praying the same sentiments with the same words. Again, he returned to his disciples. Well, you are still sleeping? Now the time has come. The Son of Man is just about to be given over to the betrayers and the sinners. Get up. We have to be going. Look, here comes the one who's going to betray me. There he was, Judas, one of the twelve, leading a crowd of people from the chief priests and elders with swords and clubs. The chief priests and the elders were right there ready to arrest Jesus. And Judas, the one who intended to betray him, had said to the elders and the chief priests that he would give them a sign. I'll greet him with a kiss, and you will know that the one that I kiss is the one you should arrest. So at once he went up to Jesus. Greetings, teacher. And he kissed him. My friend, do what you've come to do. And at that, the company came and seized him. One of the men with Jesus grabbed his sword and swung toward the high priest's slave, slicing off his ear. Put your sword back. People who live by the sword die by the sword. Surely you realize that if I called on my father, he would send a host of angels to rescue me. But if I were to do that, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen? this way. That is when Jesus said to the crowds, Why did you bring these weapons, these clubs and bats? Did you think I would fight you? That I would try to dodge and escape like a common criminal? You could have arrested me any day when I was teaching in the temple, but you didn't. This has all come about so that the prophecies in the sacred scripture could be fulfilled. And at that, all the disciples ran away and abandoned him. So if tomorrow means my death, I pray you'll save their souls with it. So Father, let my heart be after you. Father, let my heart be after you. The crowd that had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest. The scribes and elders had gathered at Caiaphas' house and were waiting for Jesus to be delivered. Peter followed Jesus, though at some distance so as not to be seen. He slipped into Caiaphas' house and attached himself to a group of servants. He sat watching, waiting to see how things would unfold. The high priest and his council of advisors first produced false evidence against Jesus. False evidence meant to justify some charge and Jesus' execution. But even though many men were willing to lie, the council couldn't come up with the evidence it wanted. Finally, two men stood up. Look, he said, I can destroy God's temple and rebuild it in three days. What more evidence do you need? Then Caiaphas, the high priest, stood up and addressed Jesus. 
Aren't you going to respond to these charges? What exactly are these two men accusing you of? Jesus remained silent. Under a sacred oath before the living God, tell us plainly, are you the anointed one, the Son of God? You have said so. I will say this. Beginning now, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God's power and glory and coming on heavenly clouds. The high priest tore his robes and cried out, Blasphemy! We don't need any more witnesses. We've all just witnessed the most grievous blasphemy right here and now. What's your verdict? He deserves to die. to die. Then they spit in his face and hit him. Some of them slapped him, banging him around and saying, Well, anointed one, prophesy for us, if you can, who hit you? As all of this was going on in Caiaphas' chamber, Peter was sitting in the courtyard with some servants. One of the servant girls came up to him. You were with Jesus, the Galilean, weren't you? And just as Jesus had predicted, Peter denied it before everyone. Not me. I don't know what you're talking about. He went out to stand by the gate. And as he walked past, another servant girl recognized him. That man over there, he was here with Jesus, the Nazarene. Again, just as Jesus had predicted, Peter denied it, swearing an oath. I don't know him. Peter then went to chat with a few of the servants. A little while later, some other servants approached him. Look, we know that you must be one of Jesus' followers. You speak like you are from the same area. You've got that obvious Galilean accent. Cursing and swearing, Peter denied him again. I do not know him. As the exclamation left his mouth, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered. He remembered that Jesus had looked at him with something like pity and said, This very night, before, before the, the rooster, rooster crows, crows in, in the morning, morning, you will deny me three times. And Peter went outside, sat down, and went. Eventually, the chief priests and the elders looked around and saw that it was morning. They convened a council meeting whose sole purpose was to hand down Jesus' death sentence. They tied Jesus up, took him away, and handed him over to the governor of Judea, a man called Pilate. Judas, 
the one who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus had been condemned. And suddenly Judas regretted what he had done. He took the silver back to the chief priests and elders and tried to return it to them. I can't keep this money. I've sinned. I've betrayed an innocent man. His blood will be on my hands. What do we care? That's your problem. Judas threw down the money in the temple, went off and hanged himself. The chief priests looked at the silver coins and picked them up. You know, according to the law, we can't put these in the temple treasury because it's payment for murder. After some deliberation, they did take the money and bought a plot of land called Potter's Field. They would use it to bury foreigners and others who were unfit for a full Jewish burial. To this day, the field is called Blood Field because it was bought with blood money. And when the priests bought Potter's Field, they unwittingly fulfilled a prophecy made long ago by the prophet Jeremiah. They took 30 pieces of silver, the price set on the head of the man by the children of Israel, and they gave them for Potter's Field as the Eternal One instructed. Jesus stood before the governor Pilate, and Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? So you say. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. So Pilate said to him, Do you hear these allegations they're making against you? Still, Jesus said nothing, which Pilate found rather astounding. No protests, no defense, nothing. Now, the governor had a custom. During the great Jewish festival of Passover, he would allow the crowds to pick one of the condemned men, and he, Pilate, would set that man free. Just like that. Gratuitous, gracious freedom. At this time, they had a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when the crowd gathered, Pilate offered them a choice. Whom do you want me to free? Barabbas, or this Jesus who was called Christ. For Pilate knew the chief priests and elders hated Jesus and had delivered him up because they envied him. Besides, while he was on the judgment seat, Pilate received a message from his wife. Distance yourself utterly from the proceedings against this righteous man. I've had a dream about him, a dream of twisted suffering. He's innocent. I know it, and we should have nothing to do with him. But the chief priests and the elders convinced the crowd to demand that Barabbas, not Jesus, be freed and that Jesus be put to death. Again, Pilate said to them, Which of these men would you have me free? Barabbas! Then what would you have me do with this Jesus, who was called Christ? Kill him! Kill him! Why? What crime has this man committed? But they shouted all the more.
David saw that unless he wanted a riot on his hands, he now had to bow to their wishes. So he took a pitcher of water, stood before the crowd, and washed his hands. You will see to this crucifixion, for this man's blood will be upon you and not upon me. I washed my hands of it. Then the people as a whole answered, let his blood be upon us and upon our his children. Blood upon Let it be upon us. Let it be. So Pilate released Barabbas. And he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be hanged on a cross. The governor's soldiers took Jesus into a great hall gathered a great crowd and stripped Jesus of his clothes, draping him in a bold scarlet cloak, the kind that soldiers wore. They gathered some thorny vines, wove them into a crown, and perched that crown on his head. They stuck a stick in his right hand, and then they knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Hail, King! Then they spit on him and whipped him in the head with a stick. And when they had their fill, they pulled off that scarlet cloak, dressed him in his own simple clothes, and led him off to be crucified. As they were walking, they found a man called Simon of Cyrene and forced him to carry the cross. Eventually, they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. There they gave Jesus a drink of wine mixed with bitter herbs to numb the pain. But when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. And they nailed him to the cross. They divided the clothes off his back by drawing lots, and they sat on the ground and watched him hang. They placed a sign over his head that read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. And then they crucified two thieves next to him, one on his right hand and one on his left. Passerby shouted curses and insults at Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, You're going to destroy the temple and then rebuild it in three days? Why don't you start by saving yourself? Come down from the cross, if you can, if you're God's son. He saved others, but he can't save himself. If he's really king of Israel, then let him climb down from the cross. Then we'll believe him. He trusts in God. Well, let God save him, if he's God's beloved son. Even the thieves hanging to his left and his right poured insults on him. And then... Starting at noon, the entire land became dark. It was dark for three hours. In the middle of the dark afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Ailey, Ailey, Lama Sabatani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? calling on Elijah. At 
once, one bystander grabbed a sponge and steeped it in vinegar, stuck it on a reed, and gave it to Jesus to drink. But others said, We'll see. We'll see if Elijah is going to come and rescue him. And then Jesus cried out loudly once more. And then he breathed his last. Everything is lost And everything I've loved Before is gone Alone Like the coming of the frost And a cold winter still In my stony heart Where were you when all that I've hoped for where were you when all that I dreamed came crashing down in shambles around me? You were on the cross. Could you take away the pain? If I find someone to blame, would it make my life seem easier? Alone, all my friends are asleep, and I can't find anyone to stay awake with me. Where were you when sin? So my innocence Where were you when I was ashamed Hiding in a life I wish I never knew
that I could be the disciple that Jesus counted on. But the truth is, I'm much more like Peter in another way. I've denied Jesus. When Jesus is in the garden in his time of need, as Peter said, I don't know him. I never knew him. Do you know that moment? You want to be a faithful, loyal disciple, but yet your words and your actions deny Jesus, much like Peter. You know, the truth is, if others listen to our lives, that might be exactly what they hear. That I don't know Jesus. And if that was the last word, I guess it would be sad. Because things would end up hopeless and as a failure. But that is not the last word. Admit the jeers and the taunts, and, and the curses from the soldiers, and the, and the other thieves that were crucified with Jesus, the shrieks of pain. What does Jesus do? He calmly prays, Father, forgive. And with those words, light pierces the darkness. Father, forgive. Not just directed at the soldiers or the crowd, or at Peter for denying Jesus, but they're directed to you and to me. And they are the assurance that nothing that we do or say can separate us from God's love. In this time of communion, we're going to celebrate with the bread and the cup of juice. They represent the love and the sacrifice that Jesus made for all of us. In a special time of meeting with him, we bring everything to Jesus. Our failures, our words that have denied him, our actions that have betrayed us. Much like Peter, when he said, I don't know him, I've never known him. And as we commune with Jesus, we take the bread and the juice and we hear and return the words of Jesus from the cross. Father, forgive. Please pray with me. Father God, please be with us in this time of communion. And Jesus Christ, we thank you for speaking the words of forgiveness to us again and again as you did that day on the cross. And Holy Spirit, fill this place with your truth that will set us free. In Jesus' forgiving name we pray. Amen.
They came out of their tombs, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. When the centurion and the soldiers who had been charged with guarding Jesus felt the earthquake and saw the rocks splitting and the tombs opening, they were, of course, terrified and exclaimed, Truly this was God's Son. A number of women who have been devoted to Jesus followed him from Galilee were present, watching from a distance. Mary Magdalene was there, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. At evening time, a rich man from Arimathea arrived. His name was Joseph, and he had become a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked to be given the body of Jesus. Pilate assented and ordered his servants to turn Jesus' body over to Joseph. So Joseph took the body, wrapped Jesus in a clean sheath of white linen, and laid Jesus in his own new tomb, which he had carved from a rock. Then he rolled a great stone in front of the tomb's opening and went away. Mary Magdalene was there, and so was the other Mary, sitting across from that tomb. The next day, which is the day after the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went together to Pilate and said, When Jesus was alive, he claimed that he would be raised from the dead after three days. So please, order someone to secure the tomb for at least three days. Otherwise, his disciples might sneak in and steal his body away and then claim that he had been raised from the dead. If that happens, then we would have been better off just leaving him alive. Pilate said to them, You have your own soldiers. Go and secure the grave. So they went to the tomb, sealed it with a stone, and left the guard to keep watch.
As we close this service, uh, we're going to invite those who are guests, if you want to come up and be part of MI5, we're, we're going to do that in five minutes right here. But for all of us, let's just, 
I want to invite you to remain in this moment, even as we leave. We'll leave and kind of stumble out into the daylight again after having experienced the darkness of this, of this service. And as we uh, prepare for next weekend, we have some days to move through. We call it Holy Week. We move through Wednesday, Thursday, then Good Friday, and then Easter weekend. And as we do, I invite you just to, to let the images that God has impressed on you stay with you. And the words that you've heard today continue to wash over you. And let it be for you a way to identify with the suffering of Jesus, but also a way just to create a longing in you for the hope of the resurrection. Let it just well up in you, just the desperate sense of, oh, if only God could do something with brokenness and death. And that will put us on the right path to be prepared for next weekend. When you come back next weekend, I, I hope you invite someone. I just want to encourage you to, to invite everyone you know uh, to be part of one of Mountain's services next weekend. Uh, invite as if heaven and earth and life and death depended on it, because it just might. And let's gather back together again uh, next weekend to celebrate uh, Easter. We're going to leave now in darkness, as if, the, as if we're in the tomb ourselves. But next weekend, we come back and we just see what God might be able to do. You know, some of the last words of Jesus from the cross were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands. Think of all the hands that Jesus had been in, you know. The hands of a betrayer, the hands of an executioner, the hands of people who were pushing on him and stripping him and beating him with their fists and putting a crown of thorns on his head and stabbing his side with a spear. But then he said, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. As you live your life this week, in the darkness of an aching hope for Easter, may that be your prayer. Father, whatever other hands I'm in, I commit my life 